welcome to this week's Red Robin Podcast Weekly, which is powered by 360 Chartered Accountant and Budget Ties Auto Centre. Whilst the playoffs now look like an unrealistic reality, positive results between now and the end of the season. We'll see Rovers finish with the highest points tally since 2017 when we got promoted. Joining me to discuss all things Hulkington Rovers is Graham Turner, whilst Lee from the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast joins us to help preview Thursday's game and give us his take on James Batchelor and the imminent arrival of Yusuf Aydin. We'll also be joined by Troy Warner from the Paracave Podcast to chat about new arrival Tom Opperchi and his try-scoring exploits at the weekend. Uh, good morning, Graham. We're just saying it's a bit weird recording in the morning. Normally we're on, a, on an evening live, aren't we? This is a, a pre-record that we're bringing everybody. Um, but yeah, we're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Morning, John. Yeah, hopefully it's uh, it's a good start to the day. Um, yeah, hopefully there's, well, as usual, there's plenty going on uh, in the world of rugby league and, and whole KR. So, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck in as usual. Yeah, and we are bright and bushy tail, but obviously we start with a little bit of bad news um, breaking just before we came on to record the podcast. And that's the news that the club have released Tom Garrett from the remainder of his contract. Um, obviously, he signed from... Dewsbury back at the start of the season. He's only 27 years old. He's played five games for the Robins and during them five games, he looked like a, a real prospect and somebody who could potentially, you know, be a player at the club for a number of years and, and especially coming from, you know, the low leagues and, and finding his feet in Super League. Um, it's very disappointing news, isn't it, Graham, to see any player released from a contract, especially when it's because of injury. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when, when it's... Uh... We presume it's the head knock concussion that, that he wasn't able to to recover properly from and, and get the clearance to play again. So, like you say, a prospect that's come through and worked hard through the lower leagues um, and the right to get a, a role at a Super League club got that with us. Unfortunately, we haven't seen uh, a sustained um, uh, period where Tom Garrett was present for us. But when we did, I think we got glimpses of what he could do. I don't, again, he was like, similar to me for Frankie Halton in terms of he didn't look out of place in a Super League shirt and was uh, was sort of part of that committed cause of, of what we've come to know now as as that group of young English hungry players. I think we could probably put him in that bracket. So, yeah, always disappointing. And, you know, thinking of the player at this time where it's been his life, no doubt, for, for, uh, for a good, good number of years and... What does this mean for him moving forward? Is he ever going to play again properly? We, I guess we don't know. We need the medical experts to, to help us out on that. But certainly from a career perspective, so for somebody who would have come into this season thinking that they wanted to establish themselves as a Super League player, still relatively young uh, in, in the bigger scheme of things, had certainly a good few years to, to prove himself in, in you know, our club colours and, and within the game. And unfortunately, it looks like that's all you know going to come short, and a very big disappointment for the uh, for the uh, for the player. Yeah, he made his debut for the Robins on the nineteenth of February against Huddersfield. He played his last game um, in the red and white of Wilkinson Rose on the first of April against Warrington. His best game probably was his second game against Castleford. Thirty tackles, uh, ten carries, ninety-one meters, and what you would say is Graham that uh, at twenty-seven, he's probably and for the position that he plays, he. he had the best years of his career ahead of him. Uh, so it must be a huge psychological blow for him to, you know, you get your big chance. This is your opportunity to stake a claim for a Super League contract. He's done that. He's got himself into the first team. And then obviously injury uh, curtails his um, Hulkington Rovers career. And I suppose it just highlights, doesn't it, that um, the risks, the injuries that players can suffer from um, when they uh, step over onto the onto the pitch that I think sometimes the supporters, Graham, we probably take it a little bit lightly. The the impacts, the injuries, the the risks these players take when they are playing rugby league. Yeah, I think so. And as as someone who's not played rugby league to any great standard and just sort of messed about as as kids playing the game, you, you get the odd whack every now and again. But to actually put your body through that as as juniors, young adults, and then obviously as professionals as well, it, it's very hard to imagine what what the body goes through during that period and how many knocks you get and how much um, it, it takes out of your body. And there's only so much you can take. And then the body just says, no, can't do this. So 
I think it, it is disappointing. And like you say, and I said a few minutes ago, it, it must be really frustrating for the player as well to have to have earned that right to, to a Super League contract and almost, I guess, got, got his dream move to, to play in the big time in front of, you know, good crowds against really good opposition and, you know, stamp his authority on, on the game. And at 27 years of age, it's, you know, it, it's a career cut short again. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we've got a... Um, Thankfully, that the medical situation now is is much much improved to to you know a generation ago, where you could argue that it might have been patched up until to get on with it and and done himself serious serious damage. Um, so as, as frustrating as it is for any player to to be um, to be without a club or without a, a contract, the health has to come first. Doesn't matter what we think as fans, health has to come first. Yeah, and you only have to listen to uh, the Heritage cast that we recorded with Andrew Heffernan to to realise and understand the impact that concussion can have on a person. And like we say, health is paramount. And no, you know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, you know, this might not have been an issue. Uh, and Tom Garrett might have been patched up so to get back out and play and say la vie, but you know, like we said, health is paramount. Um, he only played five games for the Robins, but you know, if he's listening, Tom, and you'll always be uh, receive a warm welcome in the heat stall, and hopefully, this isn't the last that we see of you in a, in a rugby league jersey. We get to see you out on the pitch, um, but yeah, fix up. Um, we hope to see you soon. Another player, unfortunately, who's suffering from concussion, is and his season's ended. Um, he's Lachlan Coo. He's suffered his third con- concussion of the season. Um, you know, you don't want to you don't want to panic too much, Graham, do you? But when you see what's happened to Tom Garrett, like I just mentioned, Andrew Heffernan and, and other players in rugby league who suffered from concussion, um, the club are doing the right thing, aren't they, by taking him out the firing line and, and following the protocol? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is the protocol that's there for a reason, and. It is there for for player welfare, which again has to be at the front of everybody's mind. And look, it's the back end of the season. We've realistically not got too much chance of, of making the playoffs uh, this season. We we can't get relegated. Let's get him out of the firing line, as you say. We've got cover in that particular um, uh, that spot. So let's get him all the help and attention that he needs to to to, to clear all the protocols for that. Let's get him um, rested a little bit and come back firing for pre-season, fitter, stronger than ever. And let's hope for a really strong 2023 for, for Lachlan Coote, where he's on the field for us more than is is in the stands. Uh, because I think we've seen through the games that he has played, certainly in the first half of the year, where he was um, heavily involved in, in some of the, uh, the, the creative play that we had. And certainly through that good run of seven or eight games on unbeaten that we went on. Um, for me, he was certainly instrumental in a lot of the attacking um, prowess that we showed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think what highlighted the seriousness of the uh, concussion is when asked yesterday in the press conference, Danny Maguire, he was asked, do you think he'll feature for Scotland in the in the World Cup? And, you know, he pretty much said no. You know, he, he doesn't have much chance of representing Scotland, which probably shows you the time which is needed for him to make a full recovery. Um, you know, if we're honest, we've seen, we have seen the best of Lachlan Coote this season. We've probably not seen it um, on enough occasions. Um, I think Dan Maguire admitted that. He said, look, you know, he, he is under a lot of pressure at this club because he's one of our marquee signings. And, you know, let's hope he has a full pre-season. He's able to start out with concussion. And I mean, look at Sean Canidale. Look at what he's been gone on to achieve in the in the red and white of Hulkingston Rovers. He'll be the first to admit he didn't probably have the first uh, his first season wasn't the greatest by his standards, but look at what he did uh, after that and, and let's hope uh, Lachlan Cook comes back firing on all cylinders because no doubt he's still one of the best players in Super League and we want him to be one of the best players in Super League in the red and white of Hull Kingston Rovers. We move on to Lachlan Cook's former club. Of course, uh, Rovers suffered a 38 points to 12 defeat at the hands of St Helens. Um, you look at the squad that was announced for previous fixtures, Graham, and there's no doubt the club have been and the team have been doing it tough in the in the teams that have been able to put out. But we was a little bit healthier going into that Saints game. Lachlan Coote lined up at fullback with um, Connor Barley making his debut on the wing. Jimmy Kynos parted him at centre. Will Tate and Ryan all made up the left edge. Mikey Lewis, a welcome return. He 
uh, partnered Ryan Milnes. Matthew Stoughton, Jez Litton and George King made up the forward line, whilst Frankie Holt and Kane Lynette were second row with Elliot Minchella. Uh, forward, the interchanges was much stronger bench. Albert Vette, Will Maher, PLT and Zach Fishwick, uh, the four on the bench. And I suppose, Graham, we talked about on the last podcast, didn't we, that, you know, what we didn't want to be is embarrassed. We wanted to compete. Um, you know, it was still a, a scoreline that made it look like a comprehensive victory for St Helens. But for last spells of the game, we was competing with the, the best team in Super League. Yeah, and I think everybody listening and watching the podcast knows what St Helens can do to any team. It doesn't necessarily need to be a team at the bottom of the league. They can quite easily uh, dismantle a team that's pushing for playoffs as well. So so I think, you know, the, the, the effort was there again. The the result, you know, we knew that at, at half-time was probably too much to, to, to come back from. Uh, but I think certainly in the second half, after they'd been in the sheds, uh, Maguire had got into them, obviously, and, and they started to play in the second half and showed, actually, we can challenge St Helens and we can cause them problems. We scored some good tries on the back of it. And again, I think that confidence that we can get by going toe-to-toe with the champions, albeit on, on a game that you could argue that they took the foot off the gas uh, for that second half, but it's, it's still uh, a competitive game in that second half. They don't give tries away. St Helens, they pride themselves on keeping sides to nil or to very low scores. So for three tries and again, you know, with with three more kicks to add to those, it might have made the scoreline look, look a little bit more respectable, but not taking away anything from Saints. They've, you know, they fully deserved their, their victory on the evening. And like I say, they can do that to any team and more. We saw that, you know, the, the week before, what they can do. So, yeah, it wasn't um, a, a whitewash as, as we saw it. Again, the words that are coming out of the camp were, you know, very good on effort. That was praised again, causing them problems again. So now that we're starting to get those attack-minded players back into playing properly again in the positions that they that they are usually playing in, hopefully moving forward with the last three games of the season, we can start to cause some more attacking problems for teams rather than relying on the square pegs and, and the round hole syndrome, which we've, we've had to do for, for necessity for the last few weeks. Yeah, and the scoreline could have been, you know, a bit more generous for Rovers if Lachlan Coote had got them kicked, um, kicked out on the full. But if you look at his stats from the game, 16 carries, 91 metres, um, only Will Tate uh, was able to to match Coote with his carries. Um, and it just highlights, doesn't it, with Lachlan Coote, just how important he is to the side with ball in hand because... Um, he makes things happen. Um, I think, you know, uh, we've talked about already, you know, a, a good pre-season, he'll do the world of good. He's, he's kicking probably hasn't been up to the high standards expected of him. Uh, but with ball in hand, he's a, he's a constant threat. Um, and, and we saw that on Friday against St. Helens. Um, but a 20-0 scoreline at half-time, Graham, you know, it's always going to be tough to come back from that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you realistically the, the best thing you can do after that I think is is win the second half or go as close as you can to winning the second half and you know they, they scored 18 more points in the second half we only scored the 12 but you know arguably with the kicks it would have been it's three, three tries each so it's it's bringing yourself back into a game where you know the game is gone it's very easy to sort of put, put the cue on the rack at this time of the season and, and sort of say, oh, well, it's a game gone, we'll move on to next week and, and forget about the 40 minutes. But I think there's lots of pluses to draw out from that second 40 minutes. And one of them you mentioned around uh, the, the the new debutant as well, the other one that we've thrown in there um, for for a, for a try. And I think that's, that's one positive to get good game time um, under the belt there. Again, Fishwick in there for, for minutes as well. So again, I talked a few weeks ago about getting these these kids are, you know, some good Super League minutes and where better than the home of the champions to, to to test them out on and give them some some minutes. So, again, hopefully that can be seen as a positive out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think two players will definitely deserve special praise are Conor Barley and Will Tate. Conor Barley, of course, on debut, uh, nine tackles, uh, eight carries, 65 metres made, an average gain of eight metres, uh, two clean breaks and, of course, a try on debut. 
Um, like you said, going to the home of the champions, it's always going to be tough for him, but he certainly acquitted himself well, uh, especially when he's playing in a, in a partnership with Jimmy Carnos, which will be pretty new to him. Yeah, you can imagine that that's had a limited time together. Uh, at the most, you're looking maybe three or four days worth of working together on the training field. So, so you've got to you know got to expect that it's not going to be the finished article out there. But to give him somebody inside him as as reliable as, as Jimmy uh, has been for us in terms of attack and defence, I think that will give him confidence to to just go and do his stuff, which you know ultimately resulted in a try. And again, you give the wraps there to to Will Tate again. We talk, I think, probably on a weekly basis on this podcast around how he just goes about his business, really solid, very reliable, doesn't make too many mistakes and can be uh, a threat with ball in hand as well when he's when he's running. Yeah, and again, he really impressed me with his runs from back play. Um, it was our top metre maker on the night, 118 metres from 16 carries, 15 tackles. Um, you know, impressive stats really for still a young player against you know a team like St Helens, and we've already mentioned, haven't we, about that that left edge coming sort of to the end of its shelf life next season, and, and the need for replacements, and what you'd hope and expect really is Will Tate to be a shoeing really to to get a place on that left side because we're talking about growing our youth side, giving people the opportunity, progression pathways. Well, Will Tate would be. You know, he, he's he's going to the pinnacle of that pathway, surely. You would you would like you would hope so, and you'd hope it'd be in a, a red and white shirt. And you know, he's got people like Kenny Dowell in there at the minute. Who, if if I was him, I'd be sort of watching his every move. What does he do? What what can I take from Kenny Dowell's game to add to my game? You know, he's obviously a young kid still. Is will take with lots to learn within the game, and sure, it's going to make mistakes, and there'll be patches where. He doesn't uh, play as well, but he's got to, you know, got to ride through that and ultimately know that there is an opportunity if he can learn and carry on his progression to be, you know, a, a good, really good centre of the future for us for for you know for a long period of time, hopefully. Yeah, um, the forwards had a tough night. You know, you, you only have to look at the, the meters made from the amount of carries that they had, uh, the tackles that they was making. You know, it, it's it was a tough night for the forwards and. You know, I suppose it's to be expected, isn't it, coming up against Etelans, that you, you're going to be sort of beat up around the middle. And, and you know, let's be honest as well, this Rovers pack um, have been having to do it tough for a number of weeks. I know we had uh, Albert Vette returning, uh, but they've been doing it tough a few weeks, especially George King and Matty Stoughton with the amount of minutes that they had to play. So I suppose when you're then faced with St Helens, um, you know, the, the challenge that you face just becomes that little bit harder. Yeah, I think you're right there. They have had some big minutes and gone over and above um, probably what, what would be classed as normal workload for them. And you, you absolutely applaud them for that. But they're they're only human. They can only do so much to, to stem the tide. And um, you go to the home of the champions, they're ruthless. They, they don't care what position you are in the league table. They don't, you know, don't feel sorry for you or anything like that because you've got a few injuries. They're going to be ruthless. That's why they're champions. They'll have the odd blip every now and again within their game. But but. For them, it's it's another chance to to score points. It's another chance to, to to cement their place at the top of the league ladder, get the league leaders' shield, all of that. So so their mentality doesn't let them let up. So so for us to to compete with them, yeah, it's probably too much in the first half, and they they outscored us uh, well in that first half. But you know we could have folded and and uh, got back on the coach and not come out the second half, but showed some resilience and again that has probably to start with uh with the pack you know showing their resilience there to, to stem that tide and then to get on the front foot to allow us to play some creative football i think that has to come from the pack as well so so again you're right big minutes um from players that that have gone uh over and above what's what's normally expected of them and credit where it's due they are they are doing it tough and hopefully there's some learnings to be had for, for next year about how people perform and what people can do. And again, hopefully this experience will put them in good stead for, for a better season um, next season. Yeah, um, and we'll move on from the Saints game. I think there's, um, you know, there's not much more you can take away from it, especially at this stage of the season. But some good news uh, regarding Mikey Lewis and of course the very impressive Jez Litton, especially over the last few weeks. Um, in the England night squad for two games uh, at the back end of the year, warm up for the World Cup uh, for 
France, well, France, the France B team and Scotland. Looks like they'll feature in that side, and you know it's deserved recognition, isn't it, for, for two players who have who have been outstanding for the Robins this season. Yeah, I think again, it was nice to see Lewis back in. I was unsure whether he would be in the team on on um, on Friday night, um, just with what happened the week or two before, where he was in the squad and wasn't wasn't risked. So whether it was a calculated risk risk to put him in there, um, I wouldn't have thought so. But it, again, I think he's hopefully come through unscathed with that. So we we hopefully should see this these next three games with Mikey Lewis back in the fold and hopefully creating um, some some havoc in, in opposition defences and causing them problems like he, we know he can do. I think with Jez as well, we've been sort of singing his praises for weeks on here now. Um, and, and hopefully he's now getting the recognition that, that I think many people um, would have seen slip under radar for the work he does for the team. I think they've realised now we're actually a, a quality player that Jez is who can turn his hand to, to, to many areas, uh, not just in uh, attack, but also strong defensively as well. So, yeah, absolute recognition for the pair of them. I think for Lewis, with him being out for a period of time in the season, um, I think this would be a nice addition for him to get more quality game time under his belt and in readiness for, for coming back for pre-season. So I think that'll be good. And hopefully for the pair of them, that it's it's a, a precursor to, to, to full honours further down the line and getting them used to being on an international stage with a group of players doing things that the England way, as it were, in readiness for, for that seamless, hopefully seamless, step up to first team duties over the coming years. Yeah, especially Mikey, because if you look at, you know, the half-back situation as it is at the moment um, under Wayne. You know, he's, he's quite happy to pull players out of position to, to put people into the halves. And, you know, whether he's going to remain England coach for the next few years is yet to be seen, isn't it, whether he goes back into club rugby. But you'd imagine Mikey Lewis, you know, if he, if he looks at his career now and he looks at what he could be achieved in the next two, three, you know, four years, he's got a real chance to stake a claim for, for that England jersey, you know, going side by side with hopefully Rovers progressing and, and being a competing at the, the top end of Super League. He's got a chance there with the England side. And for me, I think he's he's the perfect um almost international rugby league player for um making things happen. He's not necessarily always the most structured player. And I think sometimes international rugby league becomes too structured and becomes too reliant on processes. When you've got Mike Lewis, who's so explosive and, and so creative and, and so dynamic, I think there's a real opportunity for him uh, in that England side um, when you look at what other players are around right now and who might be playing in the next few years. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think he's still only 21 years of age, isn't he? So, you know, the, the best years are definitely ahead of him. And if he can get a good grounding at Rovers, and like I've said before on this, on this chat, that he's got nobody better than Maguire. Um, to, to be able to learn from um, on a, on a day to day basis within clubland, so that, that that's all in his favour. He should you know take advantage of that. I think you're right in terms of the way he plays the game. He's quite dynamic and sometimes unstructured. Again, he's he very very reminiscent to me of, of Rob Burrow. And and if if he can go on and and have the career that that, that Rob Burrow has had both at club and international level then there's a there's a player that there's an absolute diamond for us that we've you know we've got to look after. But with the, you know with regards to the international scene, I think there are there have been a lack, serious lack of quality halfbacks that we've had. And like you say, we've had to put different players in there who don't necessarily have um number seven on the back every every week for the for the clubs. And you know, again, no disrespect to Jackson Hastings or anything like that, but but should we be having players like Hastings in over and above English talent. That, that's where I'd want us to get to, is that we don't need to rely on the the, the, the you know the dual citizenship or whatever it is that, that allows them to, to play nothing against him. But can we produce more of the Mikey Lewis's of this world to challenge with good young English halfbacks that, that can cause problems for, at international level for the likes of New Zealand's, Australia's, etc.? Definitely. Well, let's hope he's fit. He's named in the squad for Thursday night, so we look forward to seeing what he can do. I'm delighted to be joined by Lee from the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. He's been on the podcast before. He's going to come on and help us preview the uh, game against Wakefield on Thursday and, of course, talk to us about James Batchelor and the impending arrival of Yusuf Aydin. Lee, how are we doing? 
How you doing, Lee? You're on mute. We can't hear you at the moment. He'll be there. But while Lee just sorts it out, I'm going to bring you the squad ahead of the game on um, Thursday night. And it's um, a bit of a healthy squad for, for the first time in a, in a while. Uh, although, you know, players are carrying injuries and there's no doubt many will be patched up. Uh, Ryan Hall, Albert Vette, Matty Parcell, George King, Kane Lynette, Matty Stoughton, Jez Litton, Corbin Sims, Elliot Minchella, Jimmy Kynehorst, Mikey Lewis, Ryan Milnes, Will Maher, Ethan Ryan, Sam Wood, Frankie Holton, Will Tate, PLT, Connor Moore, Zach Fishwick, Connor Barley, uh, of course, Ethan Ryan, Corbin Sims and Matty, Sel uh, Matty Parcell are all back and it gives Danny Maguire the luxury of being able to name a 21-man squad for the first time in a number of weeks, Graham. Um, yeah, like I said, we're a bit patched up still, but we're in a, in a stronger position than what we was a few weeks ago. Yeah, a, a healthy squad. I think a healthy is is a strange way to use at this time of the season for any any squad. But yeah, it's nice to see a twenty one man squad named, which does give Danny some some selection choices to make for a change. Um, and I think having three players come back in from recent uh, bands, they should be fresh players. And it looks like we've come through unscathed for once um, last weekend without too much going onto the treatment table after the Saints game, which for us has been, um, uh, will be a godsend to have, uh, you know, I think, again, on paper, a very strong squad to put out there. Yeah, definitely. Lee, are we back? Can you hear me? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, John. Excellent. Thanks, John. Sorry about that. I'm here now. Yeah, wonderful. We've just um, we've just gone through the Rover squad. Obviously, we've had the luxury of naming uh, a 21 man squad, something we haven't been able to do for a few weeks. Wakefield not in the same position though. I think is it a 19 man squad, Lee? That that Willie Porchin's name for Thursday. I think we've got 21 players down. Whether they're all fit or not, we don't know. But we've got 21 names in. Yeah, um, of course. You must be delighted. Now it looks like. That uh, Wakefield Trinity Super League status is secured. Um, obviously, mathematically, I still think there's a chance for to lose, but realistically, it looks like Wakefield are, are home and hose now. It must have been a, a bit of a nervy time this season. It's been a stressful time, mate. Yeah, I thought <laughs> two or three times we've actually thought, oh, we're safe. And then we had that 70 point stuffing at Salford, followed by the magic weekend where we gave up a 20 point lead against Toulouse. And then we came to your place. Now, it was a must win for us at your place. And then when we lost that, I just thought, <clears throat> I'm quite a positive person. But when I, I was sat in front of where Lachlan Coach scored the try when he went 15-4 up, I think, or 15-6 up. And I just thought, that's us done. I just thought, I can't see us getting out of here with the fixtures we had coming up. But lo and behold, we then go beat Cass, and then we go beat Wigan, and then we beat Hull, and we're, not, we're on the road again. I don't know where those wins came from, but, but uh, by golly, it was a tough, uh, tough month. Yeah, and especially that cast game, Lee. I mean, you haven't beaten them for what? Is it a million years or something like that? You you haven't beaten them, and you know. So, so like you said, on the back of the form and the fixtures, etc., to then go get that victory, you must have been absolutely delighted. Oh, it was tremendous. You know, it's seventeen games we haven't beaten. I think it goes back to two thousand and fourteen, two thousand fifteen, and we didn't just beat them; we murdered them. And it was just like, well, okay, where did that come from? Cast worked very good on the day, but did we sort of cause that and and, and go up a level? But yeah, it was uh, that was the sort of the start of it. Really, we sort of got a bit of belief back after that. As yeah. a family, uh, just just sort of thinking as a, an observer watching Wakefield these last few weeks and seeing them a couple of times on the TV games, etc., and, and recognizing that actually they're a good team to, to to watch at the minute. And as as a fan, do you think why has it taken till the last? Sort of six, seven games of the season to to wake them up. What what if we'd have been like this from you know for for good periods within that first 15, 18 games or so? The season surely would have been a much had a much different feel to it for you. Yeah, Graham, it's a strange one. Into beginning of the season, I didn't think we'd finish in the top four or anything silly like that. But I thought we had the squad to actually compete and actually have a go at the playoffs. Uh, and then we just had a few. We, we, we've had we've had a bad run. Sometimes you can't put your finger on it, but we had a lot of close ones. We, we I think we've had eight games this season where we've lost by eight points or less, which is just that's hammered us a little bit. Sometimes we've been appalling, and you can't understand it. You know that that match at uh, Magic Weekend when we 
um, played to lose, and we were 20 points up at half time and ended up losing. You look, you look at the side and think, well, we just collapsed. We're not playing. Uh, we, we couldn't understand why. And a lot of it's coming from the halfbacks. Uh, Mason Lino, Jacob Miller, they're our, they're our go-to players. When they're not playing well, and sometimes they haven't, they're throwing balls into touch and all over the place. But when we went to Castleford, suddenly they clicked. Uh, we, we think Miller's going to Castleford, so we, he, he raised his game that day. And he has raised his game since. So all these games we've had where we beat Wigan, where we beat Hull, those two have been at the fore and everybody else has gone up a level with them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the great players out in Miller and Lino and, and you say, if they're on top form, they're, they're a match for any any side in Super League. And um, do, have you seen that enough of them from this season, do you think, Lee? Uh, have you been a bit frustrated that you've not been able to see as much of what they can produce? Yeah, it's been annoying. Um, it's just, you, you know what they can produce. And like when you watch the, you know, obviously we've had injuries, like everybody's had injuries. We've lost both our centres. We've had a few out of the pack gone. Um, but that's not, you know, it's like Tom Johnson's disappeared. But then we've got Lewis, Mur- Lewis Murphy on the on the wing and he scored a hat-trick the other day. So he's, he's, he's a good find. So when they actually start firing, a, a lot of it, we, we had a bit of a mix-up in the middle of the season where we were picking players who just weren't good enough. Um, and I'm not sort of knocking these players down, but... Um, we, we signed Neil Lynham from. We signed Tom Lynham from uh, Warrington, and he just hadn't fitted in at all. And we, he's now gone to Featherstone on loan. And, and a lot of our losses when we had a weak three-quarter line, players missing, wingers out of form. And when we played Salford a month or two ago, they beat us seventy-four ten, and it was awful. But they they hit us down the sides, down the middle. We were we were pretty solid. Our forward pack were pretty good. Out wide. We were awful, and they scored about 13 tries out wide, and that was the sort of crux of that. They they got changed. They brought um, put Gaskell back in, put his kid on the Murphy on one wing. Kershaw came back. He's been out all year long with ACL, and those have sort of settled in. And suddenly we've got a bit of a settled back line again, and that sort of that's clicked, and that's what sort of helped us along the way over the last month. Yeah, and you only have, you, I mean you've already mentioned injuries. You only have to look at the squad announced for Thursday and. Number one, two, three, four, and five are all missing <laughs> for for Wakefield. And highlights, obviously, you know they your first picks, and you've lost, you know, some key players there. Um, a couple of players who will be familiar to the red and whites because the feature foul rivals are, are Jamie Shaw and Josh Bowden. Um, how are they settled in? They've been brilliant. They've been really good. Um, you were mentioning about the one to five. Jowett's back fit again, but it's like a debatable who you put in now, Jowett or Shaw. And, and Joe is missing at the weekend, but I just think I'll be saving him for St. Thomas on Monday. Not that that's going to give, give us a great, uh, great. Uh, number two, Johnson's gone. Number three, Lynn's injured. Number four, Tupo's retired. Number five, Lynham's at Featherston. So that was our one to five. Jamie Shaw spotted in, and he's been wonderful. He's sort of suddenly given us that sort of um, direction at the back. You can see him when we watch the game, we're, we're behind the post, and we can actually see him planning what we're sorting the defence out. So I'm big fan, big fans of his. And Josh Bowden yeah. just added that feel and that uh, size in the pack. He's, he come off the he come off the bench most most weeks. Comes off with uh, Big David feet to come on together. He actually started last week at loose forward, and we were just so short in the pack. But yeah, he's uh, he's uh, the big two great signings for us. Yeah, um, and Rovers fans don't need any reminding of what Jamie Shaw can do. Uh, he's put us to the sword a number of occasions. But uh, it's your last home fixture of the season. Lee, what, what are you expecting from this Wakefield side on Thursday night? Well, we're, we're expecting a, a... We've got to have a big win. We're not safe yet. I think we're virtually there. We've got to lose our three, and to lose, have got to win their three by big scores. So I think we're all right, but I think we deserve sort of to finish off on, on, on a high. We're conscious we owe Hull Kingston something. You know, we're, we're big fans of Hull Kingston. We're, looking, we're, we're like uh, Hull Kingston's a team over here, but we know we've been over there a couple of times and lost. So we've... we've Lost the sound again, Lee. Yeah, I'm sure what you were saying, Lee, was absolutely fantastic, especially as you was praising the ro- the Robins. But we just lost your sound a little bit there, Lee. Yep, you're on mute. There you go. No, is it not coming from? Maybe tr- maybe try rejoining us, Lee. 
but heading into the game, Graham, uh, Jez Lerton is on for his 100th Super League appearance. Um, oh, sorry, career appearance. Um, Ryan Hall needs just three more tri- tries to reach 300 for his career, uh, which is fantastic for him. Um, we don't have a great record over in Wakefield. <laughs> um, our last visit, we lost 28 points to 12. Previous to that, we lost 48 points to 18 back in 2020. Um, you have to go back to 2019 for a Rovers victory, and that's when we won 10 points to 6. And prior to that, of course, that, uh, that humiliating 54 points to 18 defeat in 2018. So it's um, it's not always a happy hunting ground for the Robins. No, I think um, on Thursday evening, I think uh, Maguire summed it up really well that it's it's a tough place to go. Um, it's very similar to us in the in the fact that it's an old, you know, it, it's a traditional stadium where people are very close to the pitch. The noise can get up quite quickly. Um, they've lost. Uh, part of the ground for for, for demolition and, and renovation. So you can imagine that that if your attitude isn't right from minute one, they can you know we saw them. I'm sure we saw them last week. Uh, do what they can do against Hull. I think they they could be very dangerous for us if we're not on it with our attitude and we turn up with a little bit of a a, a lazy one. Um, I think we could uh, we could get done again, um, but. We've seen recently with the uh, resolve and uh, the effort that, that's gone into the games, we've got the ability to but to come back. But I wouldn't want us to go 15, 16, 18, 20 points down early doors and then have to start clawing our way back into the game from that. I want us to, to see us get on the front foot. I want us to see, to see us come, causing them problems um, in attack and not just reliant on uh, you know, a, a, a last 25 minutes where we're, we're we're trying to claw the game back, which we have been doing um, in the last few you know, few games where the results have gone against us. Yeah, and actually definitely going to be key uh, an application. And it's you know, if you look at the squad name for Thursday, we've definitely got the players with the ability to get a result. But like you say, if the attitude's not right, you know, we're we're, we're we're going to struggle, I, I think. Uh, but I'm, I'm very confident that we can go there and get a victory. Lee, you're back. You joined us. Hopefully the sound's back on yet. So um, one player who's obviously excelled for Wakefield this season is James Bachelor. He's, he's injured now, so he won't be featured on Thursday night. Um, 22 appearances for the season for him. Uh, one of the standout players for Wakefield this season, Lee? Yeah, he is. Can you hear me? Is that all right? Yeah, we've got you, Lee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame he's going. He's uh, he's actually he's near he's near a hundred appearances for us. He's on ninety six, which I thought if he'd have played the last four, he'd have got to hundred before he came to you. So that's a shame. Yeah, we're all a bit gutted over here that he's going going to you. It's rumour for a long. It looked as though it was something he, he he wanted himself. People are actually blaming the club for letting him go, but I think he wanted to go. It looks as though it's something he sort of looked into himself and uh, him and his agent. And it looks as though he'd, got, he'd sort of tied something up with LKR before we actually knew about it. And that was a while ago. So, yeah, he, he just wants to go up a level, I think, and, and try and win things with you. Yeah, and what, what should we expect to see from him, Lee, next season? Oh, he's just an all-action back row forward. You know, he's got better. Over the, when he started as a kid, he was, he was just all-action. And then he seemed to drop off a little bit under the Chris Chester era. He didn't seem to get some games and he was in and out and he just seemed to lose his way. And I thought that's where we may, maybe might go. This year, he's just been all action. Him and Jordan Crowther had a couple of young guns in the back row and they take a lot of the donkey work off your Tanganoas and your Fifitas and your and your um, Aronas and let them do the, their, their normal game, whereas Batchelor and Crowther have done the donkey work. Um, so, yeah, and he's all action. You look at his tackle counts over the year, he's been fantastic as well. He's making breaks and offloading. And one thing that he's, he's, an, he's an almighty goal kicker as well, and he hasn't kicked many recently, but in his Trinity career, he's kicked 13, but he can kick him from his own half. So we've, we've seen him in training. So if you ever need a backup kicker, that is your man for a, a big boot. Well, it's funny you should mention that, Lee, because kicking hasn't <coughs> been one of our strong points this season. Uh, so goal well, kicker. first choice kicker, not a backup kicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Graham, I'll come to you. I mean, the the. the the second row competition next season is going to be hot, isn't it? Because we've got uh, a number of players who can play in that position. And and really, you know, you consider Johnson's been injured for, for the best part of it. Uh, yeah. Kay Lynette, Frankie Holton, 
Um, obviously, Bachelor now. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be really hot competition next season. It, it is, and you've got also players like Hadley who can play in there yeah. as well, and you know, Minchella's done stuff in there as well. Kindhorst, so, Kindhorst, yeah. So you know, you're right that that competition for those back row places is going to be fierce, and I, I hope that sort of drives the, the levels of performance uh, up because there's only so many players you can put in in those uh, roles each game. So hopefully, if we can stay injury free and we don't need to keep rotating too much we'll find a settled back row pairing but with the with the premise that others are pushing behind that if if standards do drop that there's ready-made replacements to come straight in and you know and take up the reins and then hold on to you know to their spots and, and let the others fight for it um, whilst they've got the jerseys yeah yeah definitely now a player that's not been officially announced yet but i have it on very very good authority that He's coming to Rovers next season. He's UC Fiding. He's played seven times this season. Of course, Lee went out to Leeds on loan. Um, he's still, what, 21, I think? Um, you know, he's still got his, his career ahead of him. Um, is he one that you're surprised to see possibly leaving Wakefield? Yeah, we are, yeah. We don't understand that one. Um, we haven't heard it officially. There's been lots of rumours around. But we've, you know, I've sort of got um, me ears close to the club and I've not heard anything official there. Mm. But it's a strange one because all, all Yusuf's played 21 games for us over the last few years, and all he needed was a chance. Again, under Chris Chester, he didn't get much of a chance. Um, under Willie Porchin, he's been given a goal this year. He's played 20. No, sorry, he's played nine games this year. But he, uh, 10 games, sorry, 10 games this year, all off the bench. And when he's done, he's, he's, he's done well. He's not um, a regular first teamer. You know, as I say, he's only played 22. Leeds on loan, which was an another one. And play the game there. Uh, we didn't understand that one either, but we can't understand. We can't understand why we're getting rid of young guns. Initially, we thought I was saving money for two features at once, but we don't know about that either. You know, Big David thought I put something on Twitter yesterday that he's, he's playing his last home game on the on tomorrow. But we're all baffled by that. But yeah, we don't want to be getting rid of too many young ones. We want to be sort of building round our youngsters, especially with a lot of the older ones gone as well. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you know, there's a few players leaving Wakefield at the moment. And I suppose it, the question lead to you is unfair. Is it, is it is it a cause for celebration, the fact that, you you know, you're potentially staying in Super League? Or, or when you look back and you look at the whole of the season, is it is it a season of frustration and disappointment? It's, a, it's an odd one, isn't it, really? Because if we do beat you, we're basically celebrating failure. The fact that we've actually mm. nothing at the bottom. Um, which is a it, it's a shame to us. The fact that we, it has been a stressful month or a stressful six weeks, the fact that if we can be you tomorrow, it's all done and dusted, we'll celebrate and then go into the off-season, have a break and, and recharge. Yeah, so we're actually looking, I heard you say, we, we have come to us in the past and have some thumpings. And if we can actually get a few points up early, then we can actually, we, we feel as though we could a bit of a party time. We could do it with party time and get a few points on the board. But we also appreciate that we, we, we look at your squad Mikey Lewis, Matt Parcell, we always know they're dangerous. So we can't sit back and think, yeah, we're standing up with the, with the sort of uh, stars you've got. Yeah, well, I remember travelling over last season, Lee, uh, and expecting Rovers to, to come away with a victory. And I think we had our asses handed to us, uh, by the way. I think uh, I think what summed it up when, when Arona went uh, nearly the full length, well, half of the pitch to score a try, um, and Rovers were left trailing so you know it's not the first time is it Graham where if we don't get the attitude and we don't get the application right where Wakefield can take full advantage and like Lee quite rightly um, says you know the they still need you know probably one more win to guarantee the, the survival so it's not you know we're heading over to Wakefield A we want a good end to the season you know we, we can finish the season positively but A Wakefield uh, they're not down in tools yet are they so it's going to be a really interesting encounter on Thursday night yeah, it is. And like, like you said, we've got three games left. Um, we should treat that as a, a sort of mini-series to, to, to platform ourselves ready for next season. Uh, I think finishing on a, on a high. But, you know, we, we've sort of alluded to it there with, with Lee. Take Wakefield at your peril, I think, is the message. We've seen over the last few weeks what they can do. And I think if you let them play, they, they will. And I like Jacob Miller a lot. Um, I think he's a very, very good player for them. Pulls a lot of strings for them and is very influential and Lee's quite right I think when he plays well the team play well so I think we've got to try and snuff him out from from doing his thing um, get on top of them 
and yeah let, let's let's try and be positive about it let's let's assert ourselves on the game let's give them things to worry about they you know they could be in party mode but let's you know let's get over there and spoil it yeah definitely lee thank you for your time as ever it's always been interesting we re re really appreciate your, your input and, and, and feedback. So uh, we'll wish you all the best for the end of the season, apart from, of course, on Thursday night. Thanks, John. Thanks, Graham. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Lee. Now we move on to uh, an exciting signing for the Robins, Tom Opperchick, of course, currently signing the NRL for the Parramatta Eels. To get some insight uh, onto what, Tom might bring to the Robins uh, next season is Troy from the Paracave podcast. Troy, um, obviously a big Parramatta Real supporter. You can see more from collection in the background. Thanks. You're in the club shop, Troy. Uh, yeah, you could almost say that. A lot of people say it's like Peter Wynn's score. So if you know anything about Peter Wynn's score, then uh, yeah, it's very similar to that. Yeah. Troy, no, really appreciate it. Tom Opperchick, 27 years old, 78 games to his, in his career, 25 tries. He's made 14 appearances for the Eels this season, scoring four tries. Um, his best game of the season though, was probably uh, at the weekend against the, the Bulldogs. Uh, the Eels coming up with a 42 points to six win. Um, of course, Opperchick scored 18 tackles, made 132 metres, seven line breaks. Um, best game of the season for Tom? Yeah, definitely, um, 100%. Uh, yeah, as, as you said, he scored a try. Uh, it was a pretty easy try, to be honest. Um, but, um, yeah, it was his best game of the season. He wasn't the first choice um, centre at, at the start of the year. But, um, yeah, he uh, has certainly grown into that the last few weeks now. Yeah, and he's, um, he's definitely a, a powerful player. In terms of his defence, he, he's... He's got lots of defensive capabilities. He's coming over to the Robins on a two-year contract. Um, is he a player that you'd have been quite happy to keep at the Eels? Uh, look, yeah. Look, he's a very yeah solid defender in the centres. Um, we, we've had a few issues the last couple of years in the centres and out wide in defence. But uh, Tom is a, a solid, solid player. Um, he's not a he's not a superstar player, but he does his job every week. Uh, does what he's asked to to do. And um, look, I, I probably would have kept him, um, but yeah, opportunity came knocking, obviously, and um, he's off, off to you guys next year. Yeah, what, Troy. What sort of attacking qualities does he would he bring? Because we've we've seen glimpses of it um, on the the coverage we get over here of, of the NRL. Give us an insight into into a little bit of what what we can expect from attacking wise, which is effectively what we want our centres to do. Yeah, look, he's got a um, bit of speed about him. Um, he he can break the line, as as you said before, a few line breaks on the weekend. Uh, he can break the line, um, and he can run those angles that need to be run, and and um, you know get those line breaks. So um, yeah. Very handy pickup. I think, as I said, I think he's a quality centre that uh, just probably hasn't had enough game time. Like he hasn't played every single game this this year. So, um, but yeah, as I said, I would have kept him. Yeah, and and um, big things are expected of him, Tom. Of course, every time we sign a, an RL player, you know they come over here with a, a lot of pressure placed on them. One player who came over to the Robins and he's been released at the end of the season is Brad Takarangi. Um, you know, well-documented off-the-field problems. Um, haven't helped him while he's been over here. He's never hit the heights that Rovers fans expected of him. Um, what was your what was your take on Brad Takarangi while he was at the Eels? Yeah, he, he was actually one of my favourite players um, when he was at, at Parramatta. Um, I used to have a running joke. I used to pick pick him for first try score every week, but uh, I think once or twice it came up. But he's got a good jump on him. Um, so for those crossfield kicks, um, he, he's very useful that way to knock it back. And then uh, obviously the centre, the other centre or second row can, can score the try. But, um, yeah, look... Uh, I liked him as a player. He somehow sometimes had that X factor about him, like he didn't know what he was going to do. Um, he could hold the ball in one hand and uh, get that offload away. Um, a little bit of a kicking game, but uh, it's it's disappointing to hear that 
he hasn't quite kicked on over there in the UK because um, I thought he would have would have nailed it nailed it over there. Yeah, Graham. I suppose when you hear Troy talking so fan, fondly of Brad Takarangi, it only adds to the frustration that it, that it hasn't worked out for him. Yeah, I think frustration is the key word for us, Troy, because we we'd seen the highlights. You know, I guess you can read into highlight reels as as much as you want, but we 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 we'd sort of been sold the dream of this this player that was coming over that that was creative that was a bit off the cuff that that could do special things and we've we've only really seen that in tiny tiny glimpses over you know with his time with us and i think that's the frustrating thing is because we we, we can almost see that that um that promise that he's got and what he can do and whether it be injury through injury or, or off the field uh issues it just hasn't really done it for us and i, I you know i don't think uh his time at us has been Obviously, it's not been very productive for, for either party, but I don't think we can look back at it or, or he can look back at it and, and, and say that that was, um, you know, that was a real positive experience because I think for us as fans, we wanted to see it. It's not quite worked out. And again, the, there's, you know, for us, it'll, it'll be taking a big chunk of salary off of our cap, um, which, you know, we, we've got to judge whether it's it's good value for money or not. And I, again, I, I think I'm with the club on this one. I don't think we could afford to to offer him a new deal. And unfortunately, you know, we, we've you know we've not seen the best of uh, of Brad. And you know, wish him well as he moves on. Yeah, uh, Troy. Just coming back to Tom Opacek, um, You know, we're talk, we're bigging him up, talk about his strengths, etc. Has he got any shortcomings? Is there any any weaknesses that you spotted in his game that we might need to to be aware of? Uh, he can have a few defence lapses here and there, but as I said before, on our edges, we've had troubles in the past, um, particularly with a few certain teams. But um, it, it can pick up an injury here and there as well because um, he's only played 79 games over about six years. Um, thankfully, though, over the last couple of years, he hasn't had that many injuries, so... Um, he's been able to play consistent football. I think last year he played 21 games and this year it looks like he's going to be playing another 20 games. And that's probably what you want out of a, a first-grade rugby league player is at, at least 20, 22 games a year. Um, so it looks like he's overcome that. Um, so there's not a great deal. He's not the uh, biggest centre that you could um, speak of, not like a Katoni Staggs or... Um, someone like that but uh yeah so he's not the biggest one but um he's he can certainly defend well yeah yeah it's going to be really exciting to see what he does and i don't know grim about you what you want from your centers but i quite like the note you know the not flashy do the job you know consistent center i like the wingers to be a bit more flamboyant and a bit more creative and a bit more exciting x-factor but i like the centers to be solid and, and steadfast and i think that's what we're probably getting with tom opportunity yeah, if I'm honest, I, I like mine uh, physically athletic, uh, where they can cause damage with ball in hand, but they've also got the skills to release the wingers outside of them and, and play with them as well. So, I, for me, it's one of the one of the, the positions that I think are if you can be strong in your centres, it can show you up defensively uh, on your edges, but it can also provide creativity as well. So, I think if you can get that balance right between the physical side of the game, the, the skill level of the game and, and the actual mentality of reading the game. I think if you can get that bit right, you've got you know, you've got all-round centres. I don't think there's much better sights in rugby league than seeing a, a centre in full flow and, and then, you know, going metres down the field and causing havoc and releasing the winger to, you know, to, to go in for the try. So, for me, hopefully that's what we see from Tom. Uh, the glimpses I've seen this season of, of watching the Eels and seeing Tom in action, hopefully he can he can come across and deliver that for us. And I was just sort of reading before we we, we joined our, our, our podcast today, Troy, around the comments that that, that Tom made uh, around his sign. And I just wanted to sort of check with you and see whether they felt like genuine comments that he made around, look, I'm 27 years of age, I'm coming across to want to win things, I'm not here as a, as a payday type thing. Do they seem like genuine comments from the player or, or is it just typical sort of media sound bites that always come out on the signings of new players? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think that's probably genuine uh, from Tom. Um, 
you know, he's, he's come from, I think, North Queensland when they were struggling a little bit in the last few years and he's come to our club, which seemed to be a, a more um, strengthened club than what the Cowboys were at the time, um, playing with the Eels, playing semi-final football all the time and having that chance to genuinely win a competition. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he gen- genuinely wants to win um uh, and win competitions. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's just media speculation and, and beat up. I think it's, it's genuine from Tom. Yeah. And just one last question on Tom. Uh, Troy, have you seen much of a, an offload game from him? We've got um, Sean Kenny Dow at the Robins now. He's been one of our most consistent performers for, for at least the last two years. Um, one of the features of his game is that he's able to offload and create space for the winger. Have you seen that from Tom Oppercheck? Oh, just bit, bits and pieces, little glimpses here and there um, on the odd occasion. Um, when you've got uh, big Mike Acevo on the outside of you, sometimes Tommy gets cut out uh, uh, with a Dylan Brown pass. But, um, yeah, nah, glimpses here and there. He can, can um, offload definitely for sure. Excellent. And uh, a former Robin who's joining the Eels next season, uh, Josh Hodgson. Uh, you're probably expecting big things from him in 2023. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see how Josh goes at Parramatta. Um, obviously, this year he's that gone down with his knee um, and he is going, uh, getting on a bit on a, in, in age. Um, but maybe a change of club might be good for him. Um, he obviously spent all his career down in Canberra um look we're probably yeah as fans we're probably expecting big things because he's one of the great players in the well now in the NRL and before over there in the Super League um he's played a grand final over here um and um he's been Delium hooker of the year so uh and he's an international so it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back after his knee injury um how he can perform after that. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, we're looking forward to seeing how he performs for us. Yeah, Graham, um, probably we, one of them former Robins players that you put in the bracket of you'd always take him back, but I don't know. Now with Matty Parcell and Jez Litton, the way they're performing, whether he'd, uh, whether he'd get a game at the Robins. Yeah, I think you, you look at the comparison between Hodgson and Parcell, for example, I think they're very similar types of players. Uh, very quick from dummy half, very smart players, and in the prime, I think you'd you'd have either in in your te- in most teams. Um, whether Josh can still sort of reach those highs with with recent injury uh, and a season of, of sort of being out of action, whether it's going to take him a bit of while to get back to his back to his best, you know, with an injury as significant as he's just had. You hope he can, but there's always a there's always a nagging doubt. I think that that whether it'll come back to to sort of bite them, uh, bite them on the bum part way through. You hope not, and you hope he can get to to those um, good old days again. But but yeah, I think at the minute on current form, I'd, I'd have to stick with Parcel, and uh, just because he's he's not had a, a year out with a with a significant knee injury. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Troy, it's been really interesting to get your, your insight onto Tom. And, you know, like we've already said, when we sign a player from the NRL on big money, etc., you expect big things. And let's let's hope his, uh, his career at the Robins is much better than what Brad Sakaranga's is and, and we get to see his star player. But, uh, Troy, it's been really good to speak to you, mate. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, not a problem anytime. Uh, yeah, love to chat. Great game of rugby league. And uh, I'll be interested to see how Tommy goes next year over there in the Super League for sure. Thanks, Troy. Take care. Thanks, Thanks Troy. mate. You too. Thanks, guys. Yeah, really interesting, Graham, isn't it? Um, you know, it seems like we're getting a good player. This, this caveat to Tommy's, I suppose, he has had a few shoulder injuries. Uh, but, you know, I don't think you get any rugby league player now at, at an age of 27, 28, where, uh, who haven't had, uh, you know, a, a, a few bad knocks or a few bad injuries. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they do. Yeah, I think with, with old players now, there's obviously medicals that they, they will go through and they'll assess whether it's anything significant to, to warrant offering a contract or not. And I guess you're right, you play rugby league long enough, you're going to come up with bumps and bashes along the way. And... You just have to hope that 
the injuries that players have had aren't, aren't going to come back to you know to haunt them in the future and you know scupper what could be a, a really exciting prospect for us next season. Yeah, and if we go just quickly back to the Wakefield game, Graham. Um, obviously, the squad looks a lot stronger than uh, it has done for a number of weeks. Um, Lachlan Coote, obviously, he's definitely not playing. Um, do you think this is a game where maybe Barley, Fishwick, uh, PLT, they might not feature? Now we've got you know Sims, Parcel, etc. Returning. Yeah, potentially. I think the senior pros will get get the nod. Um, in those, and it could be at the expense of the youngsters. But again, it's it's one of them where we've still got a short turnaround for Monday's game, so there's going to be potential bumps and bruises from from tomorrow night's game that we'll need to manage. So it's you know Maguire will look at what he thinks is the best fit for for managing two games in you know four or five days again, and then obviously we've got uh, a game at the weekend following as well. So there's three games in quite so- short succession. So I could see that if some miss out. For, for one game, they'll certainly be involved in at least one or two of the others. Yeah. Monday's, of course, Rovers' last home game of the season um, against the Wigan Warriors. I suppose Danny Maguire's got a difficult task now, hasn't he? Does he try and spread the squad thin over two games? Does he go strong in one and, and right off the other? It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a ridiculous situation, I suppose, that the coaches, not just Danny Maguire, every Super League coach has been put into, isn't it, that... They're having to have this dilemma at the back end of the season when squads historically and traditionally suffer from injuries and are low on numbers that we're having to, to have this conversation about you know how you go about picking your squad for two games in quick succession. Yeah, I think we always have this debate at Easter as well around the players and you know the second game usually is a bit of a blowout compared to the first game. Um, and the merits of, of having games in sh- such short turnaround for, for such a high impact sport. I think with with this, you, you've got to look at it, and, and this this would have been agreed by the clubs previously. So this this uh, decision, and you look at whether it's based on a player welfare decision or, or from an administration commercial perspective. Well, I'm just going to say that Graham. I was just going to say about that because. Obviously, you've had a number of coaches there, the frustration at this. Yet, surely they should have gone up to the boardroom, to the to the chairman uh, who's in charge, because obviously Super League's made up of, of the clubs, uh, yeah. chairman of the, of the directors. Yeah. You know, like you said, they surely must have agreed on this uh, in, in one of their meetings that they've had. So yeah. does the blame, you know, the RFL get it, obviously, you know, blame for a lot of stuff but does the, does the blame for this probably lie with the chairman that that have come to this decision in the first place I, I, yeah i mean i guess I, I was just sort of going to make the point around does it come from a player welfare decision making point of view or does it come from a commercial point of view where it's bank holiday monday and it's the best way to attract more people to the ground spend more money at the club etc you know what what is the merit of having a, a double header at this stage of the season and i'm not quite sure i I understand any logical answer for it um, because of the fact that look, when we get to the playoffs, which is only a couple of weeks away, we all, whatever club we want to see, we want to see the best players and best teams playing against each other and, and providing good competition for, for you know to, to, to give some credibility and integrity to, to the playoffs. You don't want to see blow, blowouts in terms of scorelines because one team has reached the playoffs, but actually because of the short turnaround in games in the last three games of the season, has now only got a patched-up squad to put out there. Uh, I don't think that does the integrity of the competition any good. So, going back to your question, I think it does It does sit with the clubs as a decision-making process. But then, again, what what wins the commercial aspect of, of revenue generation or, or the welfare of players? And I, on this occasion, I, I can't see any other argument to, to say that it's not, a, a commercial decision because it certainly doesn't feel like a player welfare uh, decision at this stage of the season. No, and you only, you only have to see the uh, the bands that were handed out by the match review panel uh, earlier in the week to see that they've probably been a little bit more generous with uh, what they've handed out. Uh, of course, Liam Hood won't be featuring uh, against Rose on Thursday after he copped a three-game ban for what he did against uh, the black and whites. So and it is going to be interesting to see. The squads for that derby game, of course, the last game of the season uh, next Saturday because it's 
who knows what's going to happen this weekend in terms of injuries and, and suspensions and etc 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 although all we hope is that Rovers come through it unscathed and don't suffer any serious injuries and if we can get you know six points uh, sorry four points and that'll be an absolute bonus won't it because uh, at, at the back end of the season going into into the close season uh, we don't want to be picking up any serious injuries no absolutely not because that, that sets you on the back foot for for pre-season for next uh, you know, for next season, you don't want anybody having to go onto the operating table right at the back end of the season for an injury they've copped there. There'll, there'll be some players that that will need it, obviously, but you don't want to get uh, any more than you have to. And I think with you know with the, the stat you pulled out right at the beginning around us having the opportunity to finish higher than uh, our black and white friends, dare I say, friends. Um, <laughs> Uh, again, I think that could be a, the, the sort of motivation we need to just to, to use this three-game block as a as a as a mini uh, tournament, if you like, to to challenge ourselves to get at least four, potentially six points out of that. Um, I don't know if we can do that. Depends, I think, what what uh, happens on obviously on Thursday night, but moving into Monday, and to what squad we're going to be able to put across for that Bank Holiday Monday game. How do they treat that? Do they, you know, they've guaranteed their place in the in the playoffs now? Do they do they see it as a way of resting some of their star players in readiness for a big push for for um, playoff football? Again, there's so much unknown because we we could cop a lot of injuries, have to put the kids in. They could send a really strong team, and it could be a you know it could be a bloodbath as we've experienced with Wigan uh, previously, which, which nobody wants to see. And again. Just for the, the say the integrity of the competition, you want to see as many of your your, your good players playing at, at this end of the season to as I said to just not devalue the season and for it to finish on a little bit of a, a low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens then over the next few days because it's going to be interesting. Uh, and all Kingston Rovers is never anything but interesting, is it? And exciting. So let's see what Probably. happens. That brings us to the end of another jam-packed Red Robin podcast weekly. As ever, a huge thank you to this week's guests and, of course, 360 Chartered Accountants and Budget Times Auto Centre. Please make sure you go and check them out. Uh, the Robins head into a hectic period of rugby league with two games in five days. Let's hope for two wins, plenty of points and no injuries. And remember, live, love, laugh and be happy. Oh!